0: Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where we get into people's heads and find out how their choices in life has affected them. My name is Leslie Fear, I'm your host. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey everyone. Today I'm joined with author Emma Gingrich and she wrote the book Runaway Amish Girl. Well, that pretty much explains why I'm interviewing her. She left her religion and she escaped from her Amish lifestyle. Welcome to the show, Emma. Thank you. Well, I tell you, I'm very excited to talk to you because, first of all, you have really accomplished a lot in a very short amount of time. So, what I did find out is in 1693, Jacob Ammon, uh, he was an actual Swiss bishop, and he started the group in 1693. So, can you tell me a little bit about? the Amish lifestyle, and kind of your world back then, and then we'll kind of get into why you thought you should go and what started making you think that way.
1: Yeah, so I'm just going to refer back a little bit to 1693. Yes. When Jacob Ammon started the group, he actually broke away from the Mennonites. Right. Because he and a group of men thought that Mennonites are getting too modern, so they formed a group of Amish with way less modernization than the Mennonites. Mm, So the group that I'm in, that I came from, is called and Trooper Amish. And within the and Trooper group, they have, I don't know how many different church groups. So it's like a group, subgroup, and subgroup. (laughs) I don't know that. No, you're fine. It's complicated a little bit because each church group, like the the people can only marry within those sub-subgroups. They can't marry within another church group.
0: So that really uh, narrows the pool of people that you can marry. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, very. There's people that marry their second cousins and sometimes even first cousins.
0: Oh, that's just, wow. Oh, yeah. Yikes. Okay, that's... Not great. N- no, not a but great... But they have
1: no choice because there's no, they're not allowed to marry anybody else. Right, so right. So it, it's just very, it's very limited to the options that are available. So I grew up without... Any electricity, we didn't have any running water. Mm. We had an old fashioned outhouse. Oh, gosh. The whole time I was Amish, we had to go outside to use the bathroom. Mm. And we did horse and buggy only. We could hire a driver to take us to like doctor's offices or to the hospital or something. Right. That was about the only time we were allowed to be seen in a car. Wow. Okay. Of course, I was a rebel and (laughs) did some things.
0: That's what I was getting to. So when you were growing up, I don't know if you felt that that was a little strange to only have certain people available to marry. I don't know if that ever occurred to you then that that was a little strange. Maybe it didn't. Maybe it doesn't. But as you know, you come out into the world and that doesn't happen. (laughs) So um, not typically.
1: Um, I mean, it didn't really occur to me how strange it is until I left. And now, like just last year in September, I went to visit my siblings and my mom. Mm -hmm. I mean, my dad was there too, but (laughs) I'm a little biased and I just visit with the ones who accept me. Right. But most of them are married. Three of my siblings I have not married. Okay. But the ones that are married, I've realized that the majority of them married into the same family. Oh, wow. Like this? Yeah. So they're all, like, all their kids are now double cousins.
0: Wow, I've never heard of double cousins. I guess that's a thing. I, oh my goodness. Yeah, they would be.
1: Yeah, and I was just thinking my last visit when I realized who all be married. I didn't go to weddings because I wasn't invited. But when I learned who everybody's married to and, and like, matured, to them married in the, to the exact same family. I.
0: Yikes, yeah.
1: That family has a, a bunch of kids, so I had a bunch of kids. They're all the same age or similar age to my siblings. Mm. Yeah, gosh. That's that just... does happen a lot. In the Amish communities where, like, if you were to marry from one family, then your sibling was going to marry the next person in that
0: family, too. <laughs> well, and they do that because you're not allowed to marry anyone outside the Amish community or even your actual group of, I'm sorry, what was the name of your group again? The very conservative group, I think. Words and Trooper. Words okay. and Trooper, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, when you were younger, you not only learned English, but you learned German. Um, and I was surprised by that, to be honest with you. Uh, and you actually, I can tell a little bit, you kind of have a little yeah. accent, too. And you were brought up in Ohio.
1: Yeah, we were from German or Pennsylvania Dutch is the correct term. Okay. That was our primary language. English was actually forbidden. We were allowed to learn it, but not use it.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Cool. That must have been very different. Um, So everybody was actually speaking German then? Yes. Okay. So let's fast forward here. So you're being brought up, you are living without electricity, without running water, you have to go to an outhouse. That just seems like a really, really bad camping trip for me. (laughs) Um, No, I'm kidding But you know uh, Yeah, pretty much So you decide I think when I was listening to some other interviews you did I think you said around 15 or so You started kind of wondering Why things were being done the way they were And and that kind of thing Was it because people came to visit your farm And they were kind of outsiders And they actually spoke to you Can you tell us a little bit about Why you started kind of thinking differently
1: Um, Yeah, I think it had partially to do with outsiders coming to the farm mm-hmm. and like i would listen to them talk and they would ask us why certain things are done in the way we do it and, and my parents would never give a real answer really okay. and and also the other part of me just um, i just had that instinct that something was off with me like i just didn't feel comfortable with my own family. And I was super unhappy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I did just kind of question why things were done the way they are and nobody could give me answers. And then I was starting to be shunned a little bit for asking questions. I can imagine. I was told that I just needed to do what I'm told to do. Like this is the way we've always done it. And that's just the way we're going to do it. Right.
0: And at a very young age, you were already working. I think you started a basket business. Your whole family weaved baskets and they sold them Mm -hmm. not in the marketplace, but kind of like on the side of a road, visitors would come and buy them from you. Is that right? Yes. And you were like the best one, and you were the oldest child, right?
1: Uh, I have one brother older. Oh, okay, okay. And then I was the oldest the girl. Okay,
0: so you're the oldest girl. Okay. Now, when you guys get to a certain age, I think it's around 18, you're then baptized, but then you're kind of expected to marry.
1: Yes, the baptism starts in the early spring. Okay. And ends nine weeks, or actually 18 weeks later. Oh, oh wow. But okay. They they only do it every two weeks instead of every week. Okay. So it was actually nine weeks of baptism. Like, I don't want to say it's a class because you don't really study anything. You just go listen to the preacher in private tell you what you're supposed to do and not do. And they just basically brainwash you privately. And the people that do get baptized, they never ever say anything about what was said to them. I was always curious, like what does the preacher actually tell them when they go to these private sessions? Right. But I didn't want to stick around and wait and find out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: Well, and it was funny when I was listening to you on another interview, I was astonished at how they allow you guys to date the guys that are prospects for you. Can you go into a little bit of that and, and what is allowed?
1: So they have a very strict rule when it comes to dating, and the rule is that once the girl is sixteen and a half years old, or even the guy too, mm-hmm. but for the girl, on Saturday nights every two weeks, like not the weekend, that's church week. The week it's the in between on a Saturday night, the guy will come to the girl's room, uh, usually between eleven or twelve to like five a.m. That is just so
0: crazy to me. Um, It's
1: done at night, in secret, (laughs) but yet parents know that that's happening. Right. But then again, they don't talk about it afterwards. It's like, hush, hush. We don't talk about this. But a group of guys will get together and decide which one of those guys they want to take to which girl. So they pick out a guy, and they go with him to the girl's house. This is for the first date. Okay. So a huge group of guys shows up at the girl's house, like, at midnight on a Saturday, and they wake the girl up and ask her if she wants to have a date with the guy that they picked out, and it's embarrassing. It's They literally don't take no for an answer because they drove with their horse and buggy all the way to your house, so now you have to say yes, because if you don't, then you wasted their time or whatever. Wow. So... The girl will usually say yes, and then the group guys will leave, except the one that they picked out. He will stay in the girl's room, and they are supposed to talk for a while and then lay in bed, and <laughs> this is so dumb, but <laughs> the guy is supposed to put his arm around the girl from, like, the underside of her, like, around her neck, yeah, and kind of pull her towards him and rock back and forth a little bit. <sighs>
0: Oh, okay.
1: And then he gives her a kiss on the cheek, and then he lets her go. So And then they sleep for like an hour or whatever time is left. I mean, it's, it's just super crazy. I,
0: I got to say, you know, you see these movies with the Amish in the background, and they don't really talk, and they're all romanticized, and they're all oh, this is beautiful furniture, which it is. These are beautiful products, which they are, or whatever it is, because they are beautiful things that they make. I do not discount that at all. But the way, I had no idea. To me, I'm sorry, this sounds
1: so cultish to me.
0: I mean, what do you think about this?
1: I've looked up the definition of a cult, and they definitely fit some of it.
0: Okay, all right. It's just, wow,
1: okay. I want to say, I, this the last September when I saw my mom. I literally threw a huge fit to her. Well, I wasn't like screaming or anything. I was just very passionate about this conversation because she told me that there is a CPS, Child Protective Service investigation going on regarding the way that they do their dating. Really? Because the kids are not 18 yet.
0: Right. Well, no, it's true.
1: So she told me this and she was wondering who reported it She kind of thought it would have been me, but I actually didn't do that because I'm just advocating for them to change their rules and trying to talk to them about, you know, give them ideas of what else they could do instead of doing it that way. Right. She said they will not change the rules because there's too many elderly Amish people who would absolutely not want to change anything that has been done for years and years and years.
0: Wow. That's craziness, I have to say. But you know what, you want to stay somewhat close to some of the family members that are still allowing you to go back in. And when you go back where you used to live, they expect you to dress in Amish clothing. Do you still do that? Or I think in one interview, you said you stopped doing it. and Your dad was very upset with you. Is that are you still doing that? Or how are you handling that when you do go back?
1: Well, I'm not doing that anymore. Because when I was doing it, they kept expecting more and more from me. They were never satisfied, even though I did dress Amish for them. Mm-hmm. And finally, I just quit dressing the way that they wanted me to. Like, if there was one of my siblings who I was visiting, it wasn't this lifetime, it was like five years ago, Right? told me that I'm not allowed to eat at their house unless I dress Amish. Mm. So I told her, okay, I will not eat here. <laughs> well, yeah,
0: I mean, you know, <laughs> and you and you get to a point where you've been out in the world for so long, and, and let's get to that. So tell me about when you got to the point, because I know you started kind of seeing someone, the group of boys, I guess, came to your house and you had to say yes, because you're probably, you feel a little intimidated. What are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to say? Um, And I'm sure you were way more shy back then, because I don't think women really had a voice at all much. So the people would come and buy from your farm, the outsiders. I think a few of them were ex-Amish as well. But you ended up getting a cell phone, I think, from, I don't know where you got that. And that was a big question of mine. So tell me how all this transpired.
1: Yes. One of the ex-Amish people gave it to me. Okay, gotcha.
0: What all transpired? So I know you had the phone and you were trying to hide it because it kind of happened one day. You just decided, I'm going to go. My parents are leaving. So tell me about the day that you decided to go.
1: It was kind of ironic how things just fell into place after I had thought it's never going to happen. When the day came, I didn't know it was going to come. Like the day before, I had no idea that the next day is when I'm going to leave. I just woke up that morning, and my parents left town early that morning with horse and buggy, and they were going like 20 miles away, so I knew it would take them all day long. Oh,
0: yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, so um, at noon, I actually told my sister Sarah before noon that I was going to leave, and she was... Happy for me, but at the same time, she was also terrified. Little in case. But at noon, right after lunch, I just wrote a little note and left it on the table for my parents. And I, I had like $60 that I got from selling like little knickknacks on the side of the road with the baskets. Right. And then I just ran through a field and jumped through a fence or crawled through a fence. And wow. once I was out of sight, I just got on the road and started walking.
0: That must have been so uh, scary for you.
1: uh, I can't imagine having to redo that. I would never want to go back and redo that. If I were to redo it, I wouldn't want to be able to just plainly tell my parents, I'm not happy, this is what I want to do, and leave that way, you know? Right.
0: Let me ask you something, though. How did you know being not in the Amish community would be better You know what I mean? Because they give you all this information, or maybe it's the brainwashing, like you said, to make you think, oh, it's terrible out there. It's an evil English world, or whatever they called us. I'm not sure what they called us. But you know what I mean? What made you think, okay, well, it's better out there than it is in here. Weren't you afraid? And then, of course, you had to leave your family. That took so much guts on your part. I mean, I'm baffled. I'm Thrilled for you, but I'm also just very fascinated by this. So, what made you think it would be better?
1: I don't know if I knew it would be better. I just—it was almost like an angel was guiding me. Mm, I believe that. It's it's unexplainable about how the way I grew up. I was so naive. I didn't know anything, Mm -hmm. and no, I didn't have a voice at all. I barely spoke. Mm. Um, But I just—I don't know. I was unhappy. I was—I just had this intuition that I can leave. And I had a big plan (laughs) and that did not come to, did not come the way I thought it would. I was thinking I could leave immediately and get a job, have money. And I was going to buy a horse farm, a trailer and a truck. And I was going to be this horse person. Right. Money does not grow on trees.
0: No, it doesn't. So what ended up happening to you once you left? So what did, what did you do then? Once you got out, and I know your brother tried to talk you out of it. I think he came up on the road when you were leaving and tried to get you to come back home. And you said, no, I'm not going to do this. And please just let me be. I'm going to go.
1: Yes, he did ride up on a horse. And that was when I was a little over a mile from the house. He had found a note that I had written and realized that that's what I'm doing. He didn't, nobody told him before and he just saw a note for some reason. And he put two and two together and he decided to get on his horse and go after me. He's about four years younger than me.
0: Mm, Okay,
1: or three years, something like that. So um, he was, I was 18 at the time. So he would have been like 14 or 15. Right. So he was actually pretty smart putting that together that I was leaving. And uh, I still can see his face. Mm-hmm. And he was just terrified oh. of the thought of me not being at home and my parents getting home. And, yeah, I I do kind of feel for my siblings who had to go through that period where my parents came home and found out that I wasn't there. Because I was told by one of the siblings that that same weekend, some other, like, neighbors, other Amish people showed up. And they would just talk in quiet tones, kind of like if you're in a funeral. Mm-hmm and they were crying and just it was as if there was a funeral for me
0: wow and now well real quick when you had escaped that phone came in very handy because you had the phone number of someone who could help you and you called that person and said I want I'm ready to go and they said okay where would you like us to pick you up and you said three or four miles away I'm not sure how far it was but it was a store and they picked you up right
1: yes okay. um, one of the people that would come to our horse farm and or we didn't have horse farm. We had a farm with horses, but many other things too. But they would come and visit a lot. And they're the ones that gave me the phone number in secret one day. Mm, Okay. I had told them that I wanted to leave. And so they, they didn't want to help me because they did a lot of business with Amish people. And they knew that if they helped me, then the Amish would quit doing business with them.
0: Right. So they they told you not to let them know when you were leaving, right?
1: Yeah. So I called that number. I had no idea who was going to pick up or who was going to answer. I just knew somebody would answer. <laughs> right, right. And it, it was a lady that answered and she, I told her where I was going to be and she came and got me. And it turns out that she had left Amish 30 years prior. Oh, wow, okay. So I felt very good about that right. because then I had somebody who, she was of course from a different order of Amish. Her group was a little bit more modern than from where I came from, but it was still very helpful.
0: Right. Well, she understood, you know, where you were coming from. She understood why you wanted to leave. So, okay. So you, you escape with her. And first I want to know, because I think what you're taught is that we are evil and the world is terrible and horrible. And even when you got caught with a radio, your dad would smash it. I mean, just, just smithereens and... And you'd be in trouble or whatever. So I can't imagine how hard it was to hide a phone from him in your house. My goodness, I don't even know where you put it. But so what did you, did you immediately, yeah, did, but did you immediately know when you left and you were with this woman how much better it was just that first night? Just the fact that you could actually probably go to the bathroom inside the house? I mean, you know, I mean, what,
1: what did you think? <laughs> Even the first few weeks, I was still had that mentality of everything that I'm doing, like using the phone or going to the bathroom or taking a shower or listening to a radio, all those things. I still had that mentality of, oh, this is horrible. I'm going to go to hell. Oh, my gosh! <laughs> because when I was hiding that phone, that was the most terrifying thing because I never knew I had it in my room, mm-hmm. but I never knew when my dad was just going to pop in right. and go through my stuff. Wow. And when I had that phone, I just felt guilty every single day. I felt like I was committing a crime, like I was going to cause harm to another person because the Amish have a lot of superstitions. So I was thinking that because I have this, something bad is going to happen to one of other siblings or to my parents. Mm. I mean, it was bad.
0: I can't imagine the stress level at that point, because you are brought up in a way and I don't know if brainwashing is the right way, because it is a religion. And I and I want to respect that because I do think that, you know, it's not my place to say it's a cult. I think there's a lot of like you said, cult attributes to it, but it's still a religion. And I, I try to think that way, too. So you left, I think it was uh, January in two thousand six. Is that right? So you, it's been fifteen years this month, right?
1: Yeah, it was January tenth. Oh my gosh! Yeah,
0: wow. Not not far away from the date now. I can't even imagine, Emma. So you're with this woman. I think you were with her for a couple of weeks, and then did you go on somewhere else to where you could actually work, or how quickly did that did that come about? And then. What happened with your parents? I know your dad was going a little nuts trying to find you.
1: Yeah, during those two weeks that I stayed at this lady's house, she she kind of showed me how to dress in English clothes and stuff and showed me how to shave and... Right. Yeah. (laughs) we don't shave our legs or armpits or anything oh
0: yeah I didn't Um, think about
1: that but during those two weeks I just kind of stayed in the house I didn't go out because my dad was close by even though I was like an hour away a little over an hour away from the Amish community Mm -hmm. there were people that he knew in the area where I was staying in Mm, so he was coming to them and harassing them about you know, accusing them of taking me or something. But I just kind of stayed in the house because I didn't want anybody finding out where I was. I understand. Um, And then after two weeks, some friends of the lady asked if I wanted to come to Texas and stay with them for a while. So I agreed to do that, and I actually got a right from the lady and the people, the friends. They gave me a right. To Texas
0: oh, okay okay because you were in Ohio at the time right
1: no this was in Missouri
0: oh you were in Missouri okay gotcha all right yes and then you went to South Padre to South
1: Padre because that's where they lived and mm-hmm. I ended up staying there for four years Oh. but from there I started by cleaning horse stalls to make a little bit of money right and then I cleaned houses mm. and then I got a real job well Not that those jobs aren't real, but I'm saying, like, big girl job. Right. Working at a Dollar General as a cashier.
0: Mm, Nice. Okay. But then you kind of turbocharged your life because you only go to school from first to eighth grade in the Amish community, I think is what you said. And so you didn't really have the kind of traditional upbringing that people in the English world have. And the fact that you didn't really have the education that I think you should have had to get an MBA, because that's what you got, which is crazy impressive. I'm astonished and very happy for you. So what made you, it probably you just got out in the world and was like, I'm taking it by storm. I'm gonna gobble it up as much as I can and do everything I can to live life and enjoy it. Is that kind of how you felt?
1: Well, I definitely enjoyed school. That's why I stayed in college so long, I think. Right. But I got my associates down by South Padre Island at a technical college, and then I moved nine hours away from there to Stephenville. Mm-hmm. I went to Tarleton. Right. And, I mean, I certainly had some very dark days during those times.
0: Right. It's still an adjustment, Emma. But, <laughs> I
1: mean... Yeah, yeah. but... School goal kept me focused and driven, and it made me feel like I'm accomplishing something. Right. And then while I was in college, I had just started with my master's. By this time, my book came out as well. I wrote a book when I was working on my bachelor's degree.
0: And the name of the book is Runaway Amish Girl, The Great Escape. That's the subtitle. So did you just kind of talk about basically what we're talking about, or did you go more in depth, or... What exactly can someone expect to find if they were to read it?
1: Yeah, I wrote about some stories of when I was still Amish. Some good stories, some not so good stories. And kind of my thought process of why I wanted to leave and how that came about. And then a little bit after I left, like just the, the experience for right after I left.
0: Mm, okay. And
1: how my parents reacted to it and all that. So oh, yeah. it covers a lot.
0: Oh, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it's a fascinating read. And I'm going to pick it up literally after we talk because you're so fascinating to me. And I'm going to have questions that I know we're not going to have time to, to get to all of them. But I know that you had you had to get a birth certificate because you didn't have one in the Amish community. You didn't have a social security number. So that was a whole new thing,
1: right? Oh, it was. I, I was smart enough before I left home. I knew that my parents had a little postcard with my baby footprints on it and with their name and date of birth. Gotcha. So I snuck it out from the hiding place where my dad thought nobody knew where it was. Very smart. Because he kept all of, all of my siblings, their little footprints in an envelope, and I was able to find it, and I took that with me. So when I got my birth certificate, I just mailed that or made a copy or something. But I mailed it to a hospital that I thought maybe I was born at, or at least I wasn't sure if I was born at home or if I was born in the hospital. But I had heard that the midwives have to file something with the hospital mm, okay, to show that I was born, so... I sent that to the hospital, and they said, "Well, if you pay me five dollars, I'll send it to you." Then, university get right,
0: right, so and that's I what did. that's standard, right? I uh,
1: mm-hmm. paid them five dollars, and, and I got a birth certificate, And my social security was difficult to get because living that close to Mexico. Um, oh, I didn't even think about that. Hand over yeah. social security numbers yeah. <laughs> without identification of where where did you come from? <laughs> right, right, and. Telling them that I grew up Amish and ran away, well, that didn't really work.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What did you have to do? Did you have to get a lawyer?
1: First, they wanted something from my parents saying that, yes, this is their daughter and I need a Social Security or whatever. Good luck, right? (laughs) And they wanted, like, school records, and it was Mm. crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I had to tell them, there's no way I can get any of that. I don't even have school records. Right, yeah. So they said, well, okay, you can get some people to, like a pastor, or whatever church I go to, or and the people that I'm living with, they can both write a letter uh, kind of swearing that I am a U.S. person and right. that they should give me a social security card. So that's what I did, and I got it.
0: Oh, Hallelujah,
1: girl. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And then Six months later, when I was working at the Dollar General store, my truck that I was driving to work got stolen, and it had my purse and my Social Security number and you driver's license and everything in it.
0: You are me.
1: <laughs> Nobody told me not to carry that with me. Oh, no.
0: So what did you do?
1: I had to go back to the Social Security office and ask them again to reissue it. Wow. That time, they didn't give me any problems. They just did it.
0: Well... That's surprising, it so actually. It's
1: devastating that I worked so hard to get all that.
0: Yeah. Well, so back to, I remember in one of the interviews, you talked about some cousins that had left, but you were forbidden to talk to them. You, you weren't able to find out how life was on the other side.
1: Right. When I was still Amish, I was not allowed to talk to them. Mm,
0: okay. Yeah. And then also when you left, it doesn't look great on your family to have a child that left the Amish. So are they still having the effects of that from you leaving? Or is that pretty much over now?
1: Oh, yeah, they're still having effects of that. Last year, my mom actually brought it up again by telling me that I shouldn't be visiting with my two younger sisters who were working in their bakery. Oh, okay. I was visiting there. Just it was just My two sisters and my mom came and told me to leave because she's afraid that the other Amish people in that community would be unhappy and it would cause more stress on her if they found out.
0: And, you know, I I was kind of struck by something you said in one of your interviews. You said it's getting harder and harder for some of the farmers to farm and it's just because I think a lot of the land is being taken up and, and being developed or whatever. Do you think the Amish community is somehow going to stay as strong as it is? Or do you think it might, something might happen? Do you think it might have to make a change here and there, you know, so that they can be more modern?
1: Yes, I, I already do see some changes as far as their occupation, especially for the men. Really? Not, okay. Farming is no longer considered their main source of income because they just can't do it anymore. Okay. Some of them have built some businesses that, would have never been allowed back when I was still Amish. So they are slowly progressing, and a few of my brother-in-laws, they don't really follow the Amish rules anymore. I mean, they still go to that church, but they just just kind of do whatever they want.
0: Oh, well, how does that go down with everyone there?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how they get away with it. But they told me that they read the Bible a lot. So when things come up and somebody complains, they are able to just really talk about the things in the Bible and how they say Amish rules aren't always right. The Bible is more right than Amish rules.
0: Well, that is true. uh, But it sounds like a very patriarchal society, the men can kind of make up their own rules, it seems like, and the women just kind of have to go along with it.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that, for sure. But I've noticed that they do treat their wives, which are my sisters, they do treat them very well, though. Like, they don't try to tell their wives that they can't do something just because they're an Amish lady, you know? Right.
0: Well, that's good. That's progression right there. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Now, I know you have started a foundation called Be Present so tell me about that.
1: Yeah, I came about two years ago. Okay. I did edit the first one in Maine. My family lives in Maine now. Okay. From Missouri to Maine, I don't know, maybe ten years ago. And I started it because I knew that there's a lot of depression and anxiety within Amish communities mm, for mm-hmm. women for sure. Right. And I have a brother and his wife. They both left about three years ago, and they left because she was suicidal. Mm. I'm sorry to hear that. And the only way that she was going to get better is if they leave because the Amish rules were just too much for her.
0: Mm. Right. She had that thought so, you had, that inkling or whatever you want to call it, that it just wasn't right, If at least for her, and how you felt like it wasn't right for you either.
1: Right. So I started the, the foundation, and... I had gone through a lot of anxiety and depression mm. after I left the Amish. I'm sure I was depressed before I left the Amish. I just didn't know. Right. But it has taken me years to heal. I've been in counseling for years.
0: I can only imagine. <laughs> well, you're de- you have to get deprogrammed. You yeah, know, basically. Yeah. I mean, I just- you have to totally do a, a 180 on every single aspect of your life you ever thought was the right way to do it. Everything.
1: That and. You know the Amish don't really teach our kids how to express emotion, so I was emotionally stunted. For an eighteen-year-old, I was—I had probably the emotional capacity of a ten or eleven-year-old.
0: Yeah, well, I can understand. Yeah.
1: So I had to learn how to express emotion, how to or healthy emotions, and a lot of terrible things that had happened in Amish. I had to heal from that and. Yeah, it was just a lot. So that's why I started the Be Present Conference, and I want to turn it into a nonprofit organization where I can help people, that, the Amish people that do leave the Amish, them okay. get on their feet. and.
0: So that's what it's for. It's for people that want to leave or have left to come and, and gather and maybe start a conversation, that kind of thing, or is it just a safe place to, to ask questions? What do you actually do?
1: So this one I had other therapists and professionals at the conference, and anybody could show up. Well, mostly just women showed up, but turns out that none of my Amish people showed up.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, I kind of expected that they wouldn't, not for the first one. Right. But (laughs) it was still very helpful. Of course. And... I had, you know, therapists there and and I had speakers where different women went through things in their past and they talked about it and kind of encouraged the audience to be brave. And if anybody wanted to, they had a therapist where they could go talk to that person. And,
0: you know, that's the thing. I mean, you knew what you needed. And so because you had lived through it, You gave whomever wanted to leave. Um, I guess they would have had to leave. They couldn't have been there otherwise. Um, the resources you really didn't have right away. So that was very insightful of you to to be thinking way ahead of time or way in advance for these people to give them a chance because I'm sure it would have been very easy to go back because this world, as I think pleasant as it is, there's a lot of unpleasant things and there's a lot of things they don't tell you either. (laughs) So you have to learn it the hard way as well if you don't have the right upbringing or the right people in your community, you know, just in the regular world. So... Now, I know you are now married. And I know you are expecting a child. I don't know if you can talk about that or not. I just would love to hear. Yeah. Okay, I'd love to hear that story. That part of the story because this is the, the best part to me just the fact that you've found love and you're so happy now. And guess what, to my listeners, she's literally probably about 20 miles away from me. She lives in Fort Worth. <laughs> so that is just so funny but go ahead emma
1: yeah um during my 20s and yeah I guess mostly during my 20s I dated off and on and it never worked out and I by the time I was 30 31 years old I thought uh maybe marriage is just not for me then because I was tired of getting hurt sure but then I hung around on this dating app called bumble yeah <laughs> And that's where I, I met my husband. I was actually just about to delete it. And really? I thought, wait a minute, I should respond to this guy. He messaged me like two days ago. I should respond. And if he doesn't respond back to me, then I'll delete it. <laughs>
0: there you go. Yeah. So
1: I responded to his message. And sure enough, he like responded immediately. Oh, <laughs> Was like, oh man, I can't delete this app now. And we we just started talking, and he was working in the oil field at the time, so he was gone like two weeks at a time and home two weeks. Okay. So it was a good it was a good way of just getting to know each other. A little Absolutely. Fun. Yes. And then, what did he think of
0: your lifestyle? What was he taken aback that at was all? like
1: <laughs> Our first date conversation, because I was like, I'm not going to let him waste my time. <laughs> He doesn't like my lifestyle right. or my past.
0: <laughs> Better get it out now.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he actually tells his story every time about how on our first date, I attacked him about my... I didn't attack him. I just... I was like, hey, I have a weird past and I just want you to know right now.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and on our first date, and he was like thumbing his fingers on the table, like <laughs> in a nervous way. Yeah. But he wouldn't say much. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, I probably ruined this whole date. <laughs> but we stayed in touch. And it was actually, our first date was in March of 2018. And then our second date was like, I don't know, maybe about a month and a half later. It went a long time before we know the date again. But we stayed in touch during that time. Right. And by June, we became official. oh And then October 2019, he proposed. And we had planned to get married in April of 2020. That didn't work out. (laughs) And we had to reschedule a wedding. We got married in August. And it happened to be the hottest day of my life. Oh, no. Yeah, our wedding was outside. Yeah,
0: that would be hot in August in Texas. Yep, that's a hot-ass month.
1: (laughs) We didn't have a choice. When we rescheduled, the venue would only allow... Within the 2020 year. Right. And there were like Mm -hmm. three or four dates left that we could pick from. Mm -hmm. And they were all in July or August. So we just, there's nothing that we could do. Right. Just pick a date and hope for the best.
0: Sure. So now you're married. And how far along are you? I know you're expecting.
1: Yeah, I got pregnant immediately.
0: (laughs) That's the way to do it. (laughs)
1: Couldn't wait. <laughs> actually it wasn't planned that we would get pregnant immediately but it happened and i'm 20 weeks
0: oh nice So you're about halfway yeah
1: I'm so excited. Uh, yes. We're having a girl.
0: That's oh, a girl. congratulations. That's fantastic news. And see, it's almost, you know, yeah. the whole situation is just kind of meant to be. I mean, you know, not deleting that app and then meeting him. And then he's fine with everything. Of course, he had to learn it all and in a short amount of time. But its he seemed to take it in stride. And
1: I took him home with me. Oh, did you really? Year, and man, everybody loves him. Even the kids, they just crawl all over him. Wow. Well, that's great news. Better than they treat me. Uh (laughs) Because in their mind, I make Amish for should be mission, i'm not and him he's a regular what they call english person right i mean they they do treat me way better than they used to since i met him and you know they they do treat me a lot better okay. things that they can't quite let go yet well
0: you know what emma the fact that you still go and visit them it does send a good message that you do love them and that you do respect them even if you don't agree with what they're doing I'm sure a lot of people don't go back and don't want to see their families after this. And the fact that you care enough to still want them in your life, that says a lot about you and him.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, for the first 10 years, it was really hard. I would go back every year, once a year to visit them. And it, it was always a disaster. And then I kind of took a break for five years or four years. Right. Didn't go see them. And then once I met him, I felt comfortable enough again that I felt safe again that I could, I was like, okay, I can try this again. And I could tell a difference in the way I would respond to them when they would say guilt-shaming things to me. Sure. Yeah, so...
0: Well, I think it was fantastic for your husband to see the kind of lifestyle that you grew up in. I mean, it was, I'm sure that only helped him understand you even more.
1: Oh, yeah, he loved it. He learned how to speak Pennsylvania Dutch every time he goes to see them. And when we're like here at home, he'll remember those phrases and <laughs> he'll say really? them to me. Yeah, he, he learns pretty fast.
0: Wow. So are you able to be bilingual when you do your job? I know you're working for a hospital, but you stay at home and work. Is that right? Yes. So are you able to use the language that you learned in your Amish community? Or is is it kind of broken to where you do it's not? It,
1: it's not really the language that anybody else uses. It's a, I think the Amish are like the only ones. Oh, okay.
0: So it's more indigenous to them. Okay, gotcha. I tell you, I am so proud of you for kind of standing up for your morals and having some goals in your life and leaving. But then I know you loved school even when you were young and you weren't supposed to love it. Why do you love school? You know, and I remember you saying in an interview, you were like, I loved it. And I don't know if that was, (laughs) excuse me, their first inkling of, uh oh, she's going to be trouble. (laughs) So,
1: (laughs) you know, why it is that they just, and it's not the parents that shame their kids for loving school it's it's the kids. Yeah. Like the other people that they look down on you for liking school.
0: Yeah. Obviously you loved it. You have a master's degree.
1: My goodness, girl. Oh.
0: That's most people can't even accomplish that and they've gone to school and and graduated from high school and and had these big goals and you just you amaze me and I'm so proud of you and I'm so happy for your life now and yeah, but- um
1: I started college in early 2007, and I finished in 2016. So wow. How many years was that? Nine. That's
0: nine. But, but you had to work, and I think you put yourself for, through school, correct? Yes. Yeah, I mean, yes, <laughs> you were the one doing I was, it all. And wrote a book and went to school. Yeah, that's some serious gumption right there.
1: <laughs> I did miss out on a lot of, like, well, I did get to travel some during that time, too, but... I, I was kind of an introvert and didn't really appreciate the social life while I was in school.
0: Right. Now, I know you probably go to a different kind of church now. Um, what is the difference? Is it better? Is it What's the difference that you have noticed?
1: Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> There's freedom in going to church, yes. the one that I go to now. Yes, In the Amish, there was constantly don't do this, don't do that, don't smile. Like literally in church, we were not allowed to smile because if we smiled, that meant somebody was making googly eyes or I don't know. Wow.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And to me, that's so controlling. And that's the cult kind of part of it that I don't love for the people that are still there, but certainly not my place to say. But I can't believe an hour has gone by. You have been fantastic. And I thank you so much for giving me an insight to your story and, and taking the time today. And everyone grab her book on is it on Amazon?
1: Yes, it's on Amazon. Amazon.
0: Okay, it's called Runaway Amish Girl on audio. Sorry for oh, interrupting. No, you're fine. So it's so it's on it's on Amazon, Runaway Amish Girl, The Great Escape. It's also available on Audible. So everyone Grab her book. I think I just touched the surface with this. Um, I'm sure there's many, many more stories. And I can't wait to get my hands on this thing. And also, I'm going to put a link to your foundation, the Be Present Foundation. And I'll put all of this in my show notes for anyone who wants to look it up and uh, to buy your book and or to look at your foundation. You have been incredible and fascinating and like i said i'm so very happy for
1: you now thank you for having me i really enjoyed this conversation and i hope once you read the book you want to know more
0: absolutely i will i might even have you back on i'll see how the baby's doing (laughs) but thank you so much again emma
1: thank you
0: if you like what you heard please leave me a five-star review it'll help my podcast out and more people will be able to listen also i am a novelist and write Paranormal Romance. All my books are available on Amazon.com, so check me out. And you can also reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you guys all for your support, and I'll talk to you next week.